Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That is, four groups of four soldiers. Sixteen soldiers were charged with the task of holding Peter. Intending after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. Peter was there, therefore was kept in prison. And I'm going to stop right there for just a second. And if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand for a second. And, and the presence of God is already here. But would you help me to welcome a freedom of God's spirit to move in this place? And would you, in unity, agree to agree with the word of the Lord today throughout this service? Jesus, we thank you for every blessing you have bestowed upon us, the breath of life, the breath of new life making us new creatures in Christ, where old things have passed away, all things have become new. And God, we are excited for what you're going to do today. And we've come with expectation and anticipation this morning, Jesus. So let there be a freedom of your spirit. Let there be a clarity of your word today, Jesus, to reach into our hearts and to, Lord, touch us in a mighty way. Lord, to direct our path and to move us and to change us and to heal us. Lord, let your virtue, your virtue flow in a mighty, mighty way today, Jesus. Ah. Let your word and your spirit be invoked in this place. And we bless you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. In your mighty, mighty name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated if you would like to. Sixteen soldiers have been tasked with keeping Peter. We stopped in verse 5, but let's pick it back up. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison... But, everyone say but. But, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. This is the innermost part of the prison there are two more sections and with guard towers that are in between Peter and Peter's freedom most assuredly Peter is going to be taken out he's going to be killed by the king it's the intention he's only waiting Herod is only waiting for the festival to pass over and then you see Peter's end looks like it's going to be the same as that of Jesus. Hmm. 
Four guards guarding him. He's chained. Two more guard towers in between him and the iron gate and freedom. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came on to him. And I just got to stop and pause for a second because when I see the and behold, it gets something welling up within me. We talked about it on, on Wednesday night. It's not just and behold, it's and behold. It could also be written just then, which would signify or indicate at that very moment. It reminds me what God told Joshua when they came across, when, when Joshua came across the Jordan River and the first obstacle between, uh, it, as they're entering the promised land for the, the children of Israel was this mighty city of Jericho. And you go back in scripture and God tells Joshua, look, see, I've given you Jericho. From Joshua's perspective, Jericho was still there. It was a mighty stronghold, impenetrable, thick walls. And yet God's saying, I've already given it to you. Why? Because God is not limited by space and time. God already knows what his plans are. God already knows what he is going to do. As far as God's concerned, it's already done. All Joshua has to do is believe and move forward in faith. And so when I see the word behold, God's already got a plan. God's already got the deliverance. God already knows it's not Peter's time. Peter's not going to be left in prison. He's not going to be left in a situation. So when I read, and behold, it's, and behold. At that very moment, God has already started to move. At that very moment, it's as if it were already done. If we can, if we can receive this and understand this and apply this in our lives, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. We're not going to live by what we see. We're not going to live by what we feel. We're going to trust God. When, 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 listen, your time's not done. My time's not done. When, God's, when God says it's time, it's time. But until then, he knows the good things he has for you. He knows the good things he has for me. Oh, help me, Jesus. And behold, just then the angel of the Lord came unto him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter in the side. If I'd been thinking a little quicker, Brother Brown, I would have had you come up here and I would have smote you in the side. Bam! And it would have hurt. <laughs> because I would have literally smote him in the side. I should have done it. I messed this whole thing up. Because <laughs> I would have. Pow! Not too hard. I wouldn't have knocked the wind out of you, but you would have felt it tomorrow morning. <laughs> I can't help but see a parallel already forming right here from Acts chapter 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So as God's given this to me and I'm reading through it and I'm highlighting and I'm studying it out and it always blows my mind in scripture when 
And it happens so often where the chapters align up with another chapter in another book. And the verses align up with another verse in another book. And, and so Peter, or, or Paul, when Paul was talking about that great revelation that he got, there was a thorn. And where was the thorn? It was in his side. He felt it. It was agitating. It hurt. I, I don't believe that the angel just kind of touched him in the side. I, I believe Peter felt it. Because something is about to happen, and I can't quite explain it, and I can't go there, but there's kind of a parallel here with Calvary, too. And there was some pain that happened on Calvary with, this, with the piercing of the side. There's parallels here, and there's something spiritual. There's something that's happening. Now, I'll just open up a kind of a can of worms, and we'll try and take it somewhere. So the angel smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind thy sandals, and so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and knew not that it was true. Seen another parallel. Paul emphasized it in 2 Corinthians two times. He said, I didn't know whether it was in the spirit or in the flesh. Two times he emphasized it. Peter, something's happening to Peter, and it's like he's in a dream or a trance or suspended somewhere between reality, the spiritual, the supernatural. Huh. But something's happening. God's moving. God's crossing over. God's reaching in from eternity, and touching man huh, in the natural realm. I'm seeing those parallels again. He knew not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Just like Paul explained it the same way. And when they were past the first and the second ward, that ward was a guard tower, this angel is taking Peter. Yes, it's night. And I guess we could say maybe, maybe the two guards that were there right beside him, maybe they were that sound asleep. Huh. Maybe the two guards on the other side of that first wall, maybe they fell asleep too. But there's guards in the guard tower working their shift. Hell. Oh. I guess we could really stretch and say maybe the first guard tower they were sleeping to. Because huh. the Romans, they really, maybe they didn't take their job that seriously. Maybe they really weren't that concerned about what Herod thought about the charge that they had to guard the prisoner. But we know differently. We know that they know their lives, the guards' lives, depend upon their charge. Them keeping their charge. Oh, we could preach about that. We're not going to. I'll just say this. It may just be that our lives and the lives of others depend upon keeping our charge. I don't have time to go there, though. <laughs> so not just one guard, but the second war, they came onto the iron gate. Then they came on the iron gate that leadeth onto the city. Can't tell whether this is in the spiritual, and the natural, if he's sleeping, if he's awake, if it's a vision. But we know. 
This is really happening. God is really doing this. Comes to the gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Then Peter came to himself and said, and I love this, then Peter came to himself and said, this is, oh, the word of God is so deep, and there's so many facets and details and angles that we can look at. Because not only is this about Peter, but this is also about salvation and those that we're praying for who are find themselves, whether they realize it or not, they're bound in chains of sin. Can't seem to ever get liberated. But there will be a time, I promise you, when they'll come to themselves. When they come to themselves, Peter finds himself all of a sudden shaking and coming to himself. Okay, it wasn't a dream. It was real. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know of surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people and the Jews. All the expectation. We have an adversary. He operates high in his faith. And he has an expectation for you and for me. He doesn't ever sleep. He doesn't ever have to. He's diligent in the work he does. He's chasing after you. He's chasing after me. He has an expected end. But greater is he that is in you and greater is he that is in me. And our word tells us that God's word tells us, God's love letter to us says, I have, God has an expected end for you and an expected end for me. And even if it seems like we're bound in a place that we can't get out of, perhaps it's a tight place in an uncomfortable space, it doesn't matter. God has an expected end. Don't buy into what you see or what you feel. Don't buy into the lies of the adversary and his expected end. God has something greater. God has life and liberty, power. Because he's got a purpose for your life. Oh, God's got a purpose for every single one of our lives. And, and I, I don't care. I'll just say it. Whether it's Pastor Kylie, Pastor Cordell, or if it's the youngest little child or baby in, in this building, none of us has reached the potential that God has for us. Because his plans oh, far surpass what we could possibly imagine. I believe that. And if we can just huh, walk in faith, regardless of what it seems, expectation, God delivered him from the expectation of the adversary of the Jews. Yes, I do believe it too. Municipalities are ruled by principalities. And when he had considered the thing, here we go. Oh, my. When he had considered the thing. Everyone say he considered. Here's what happened. He, Peter. He's outside of the iron gate. He's in, at the first city. And, and here's what he said. The Bible doesn't record it, but I'm very confident it went just like this. What just happened? 
Are you kidding me? And here we go. How did this just happen? Peter doesn't know. He's been locked up. Perhaps for weeks. How does this happen? A spiritual man and a spiritual woman realize this only happens one way. So Peter, who's not been with the church, knows exactly what to look for next. Because he pondered it and he knows it. He's familiar with it. And it's this simple. Someone's praying. The next answer is even more simple. I know where I'm going next. God brought me so far because someone's praying. I'm going where they're praying. Ah. He came, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were, where many were gathered together praying. Ah. This all happened because of what was happening at Mama's house. It's Mother's Day, and I've got a word for you mothers. What's happening at your house, it transcends what we see and what we feel. It breaks chains. It looses. Powerful things were happening at Mama's house. Peter, when he's, when he's free, he knows right away someone's praying. He knows where to go. Because this wasn't a one-time thing. This was a pattern. What was going on at Mama's house resulted in the miraculous. And what will happen, the collective league of skeptics, scoffers, and doubters will not be able to explain. So ladies, moms, futures moms, what you're doing in your house is powerful. It's important. What your children see you doing, it will set the course for them in their lives. It will give them direction and understanding of what to come back to perhaps when they stray. When they come to themselves, they're going to remember something. Peter knows as he comes to himself, I know where the prayer's going on. I know why I'm here. When all of a sudden I realize this is real, it's not just a dream. I know where to go because someone's praying. Why? Because it was the pattern of prayer in mama's house. wrapping up it just starts a thing and I'm telling you it all goes back to what was happening at mama's house you continue to read verse 24 tells us that the word of God grew and multiplied it was because people were praying and we know that prayer was happening at mama's house the very next chapter, we see Paul come back into the picture. He's already been saved. He's already uh, had his experience on the road to Damascus. He's already been converted. But you realize Paul disappeared for about three years. Huh. The time of training. The time to get all the old stuff out of the old man. 
(laughs) and to realize and to start feeling in the spiritual as God's given him insight. It's the time of discipleship. Three years he was in Arabia, and then he comes back to Jerusalem for a short period of time. It's easy for me to see three and a half years there. And it's because of the prayer and what was going on at Mama's house. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Mom, your prayers are powerful. Your prayers and what you're doing in your house, they set things in, cor- they set things in motion and they set to course. Powerful ministries. Ah. Give you a quick flurry of a few other examples. It was in Exodus chapter 2 that Moses, as a little baby, floats down the river. Pharaoh's daughter snatches him out of the river. And we know that Moses' mother, Jochebed, through the hand of God, gets to raise that child for a brief period of time. And what she imparted in her house in a short period of time with Moses, what was whispered in his ear, it transcended the riches and the wealth and the pleasures and glamour of Egypt and Pharaoh's house. To a point when, as a young child, he's given back into Pharaoh's house. But when he's a grown man, somebody spoke into his life to the point that he knew who he was and where he belonged. And he didn't become distracted by the wealth and the glamour. I see in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 20, Hannah preparing Samuel to give him into the house of God and to the service of God. She knew because she travailed before God to have that child. She knew she had a limited time because she promised that child back. And so she made the most of every moment she had and she prepared him. It wasn't because of Eli. Eli was blind spiritually. He, he was blind, deaf. There was no vision. It was because of what mama instilled into Samuel that mm, compelled him, set him up for the calling and the work of God. Amen. We, we see it again in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4 and verse 8 with the Shunammite woman, a woman who... It wasn't the husband, it was the woman who went ahead and built a chamber on the wall. She saw the man of God going by day after day and said, you know what, just seeing it happen, seeing him walk by, that's not enough. I need him in my house. I need to go ahead and build a chamber on my wall so that I can commune every day with him. She snatches up Elijah and brings him in. Because of what's happening at mama's house. My last example 2 Kings chapter 22, you find Josiah, a king in a lineage of kings. His grandfather was devastating for Israel. He filled the the streets of Jerusalem with the blood of the people, served all the false gods, made a mockery of the nation. That was his grandfather. Manasseh, his father 
Ammon, because sin is progressive. Only ruled and reigned for two years before his own servants plotted against him and took his life. Amidst all of this, Josiah, somehow as just a young boy, growing up in civil war, watches his father be murdered by his own servants, watches those servants then be, uh, through chaos and confusion, then murdered and taken out by the people. This is what he's experienced. How is it that a young boy who experienced so much pain and suffering somehow became such a reformer for the nation? Such a reformer that he brought back the law of God, that he put it back into motion. How is it that he knew what to do? All his examples were examples that were devastating to a young man. And I'll tell you, it's because he has a mother that's listed in Scripture. And what she whispered, and what she spoke, and what she prayed over her child. Oh, mama, what's happening in your house is powerful. It's powerful. Everyone loves mama's house. Nobody loves anything like children love or how mama loves children. Listen, you are changing lives. Mama, you are changing cultures and you are changing nations in your home. Mama's house. You're powerful. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I, I do want to, I'm going to do it in closing. Uh, we're done. We can, we can stand. We'll pray. We'll dismiss for the changing of the service. I, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful for a praying, a praying wife. And, and this might get me in trouble. <laughs> Not with Miranda. With my me child. But I'm so thankful that when my child that is so much like me and such a pain in my side, <laughs> it's incredible when she can find herself repenting in the shower, speaking in other tongues, and that blows my mind. And I know it's not because of me. I know it's because there's a praying mom in my house who's in the Word every morning, spending her time in devotion, and she's planting things in the spiritual. And she's, she's setting my children on the right way. It's amazing to me when my me child, uh, when she can't sleep at night and come to find out, she, she, she doesn't go to the phone. She doesn't go to texting people. What does she do? For some reason, I can't explain it, but she just goes ahead and starts writing a sermon that God's given her in the middle of the night. I can't explain it other than to say what mom is doing in mom's house. Listen, it's powerful, and it is life-changing. So, Jesus, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to celebrate mothers. And Lord, I'm just praying that there will be an increase in faith upon every home. Jesus, let there be an increase of your word. Let there be an increase, Jesus, uh, of your spirit upon uh, sweeping over the entire congregation, Jesus, in every home. Let there be an understanding and a revelation of the power of what is happening, Jesus. Ha, when we call upon your name, when we invoke Jesus, and when we speak in faith, Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 
or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.